Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 26 of Coaching Connections. Now, in today's episode, we have an assistant coach from Santa Clara University, Coach Jason Ludwig. He does a remarkable job in that program. Very blessed and fortunate to have him on the show tonight. Uh, we talked about his childhood. We talked about um, his coaching journey and how he came up through the ranks. We talked about his uh, free camps that he hosts in Los Angeles for the kids in the community that he grew up in. We spoke about the Young Coaches Social that he helped co-found. We spoke about the Latino Association of Basketball Coaches that he also helped co-found and the wonderful things that they're doing with that program and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. I had a blast. This is Jason Ludwig, episode 26. Let's get after it. Hey, Marcus. Coach, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Can't complain, Coach. So you can hear me nice and clear. Everything's good? Yeah. Yep. It's all good. We got Coach Jason Ludwig from Santa Clara University. No, thanks again for uh, taking some time to talk hoops, talk life, and everything else in between. Hey, Marcus. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Yes, sir. Um, no, first, let's talk about this whole COVID situation. You know, I, I'm in Texas. You're in California. Just first, tell me what what's the vibe like out there in California, just with the general public. Well, you know, I, I, it's tough because. Um, you know, you try not to go out too much. So you, you really, uh, you know, you really don't know everything, you know, is kind of based on what you read and what you see on the news. Yeah. Um, so obviously from that, you see that things aren't trending in the, in the right direction. So right now, all we're trying to do is, is continue to stay safe, be responsible and, and, uh, stay healthy. Absolutely. It's tough. You know, we've been kind of cooped in the house as much as possible. Uh, my kids are going crazy. Um, you know, I find myself, uh, if I have to go to HB, that's when I'll, I put on my nice shoes and <laughs> something nice because that's the only time I leave the house. Um, <laughs> times are definitely different. But what have you been doing, I guess, to kind of keep yourself busy, you know, stay sane through all this? Well, I think um, I, I, I think this has been an opportunity to be creative and, and try to figure out other ways to, to be productive. Um, obviously, in, in college basketball, you know, it, it, recruiting never stops. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that we've had to really stay committed to uh, we've been creative. We've, we've used film more than ever to, to, to try to evaluate uh, prospects. We've been using Zoom uh, conference calls and meetings to, set, to, to meet with recruits and their parents. Uh, we've done virtual tours. So we've just done things uh, that we've never done before, and we've just had to adjust. And, and to be honest, it's, it's, uh, it's been well-received. Uh, we've still been able to maintain uh, you know, great relationships and and, and uh, you know, and, and connections with with recruiting, so I think that's one of the biggest things that, that we've been able to to maintain during this tough time. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I wonder how it's going to translate after this is all over and, and we're able to get back to normal. But um, most of all, all we've been doing, even for us at work, is all Zoom conferences and you know, and FaceTime calls and whatever. Um, so I wonder if you know how you you've seen the trend of people on their cell phones all the time, not really engaged in face-to-face -face conversations. You know, I wonder if, you know, maybe that appreciation for a face-to-face -face conversation and that interaction will, will come back. And, you know, I know, I know some people long for it, but it's just something I was thinking about right now. No, I think that's a great point. I think, uh, you know, definitely the way our society was trending, it was, uh, you know, you, you communicate through text, um, you know, people didn't, didn't even talk on the phone as much anymore, especially young kids. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they, they communicate through text, through Instagram, through Snapchat. Um, you know, so I, I think that'll always be there. But I think I think uh, now that we've been kind of quarantined and in, 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 in that that physical, you know, touch and, and 
and uh, encounters with different people has been taken away. So now that may, when it starts to come back, I think maybe we'll, we'll definitely appreciate it more. And I know it's nice. It's definitely nice to be able to, uh, to connect with people uh, when, when you can during this crazy time. Absolutely. How have things as far as your team with Santa Clara been a little different this spring and the summertime compared to what a normal spring, summer, off season looks like? Well, the, the, the biggest obvious differences are one, you know, we don't, they're not here. They're not on campus. So we don't get to, to be with them, to talk with them, to interact with them. Uh, so that, that part has been tough. And then the other part is we're not, we can't get in the gym with them. Yeah. And that's always, you know, this is the most important time, the, it's the spring, the summer, that's when guys make the biggest strides and in, in, in individually to improve upon their game. And not having that has definitely been difficult. But, you know, you, you, uh, we've still been able to, to be creative and, and stay and, and find ways to stay connected. Every week we've been uh, – we have a, a Zoom meeting with our entire team. And what we've done is we've brought in guest speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, been, we've brought in, you know, uh, current and former NBA players, coaches. Uh, you know, uh, we brought in a, a Green Beret, Army Green Beret. Uh, so th- th- that part has been terrific because we've been able to learn from them. They've been able to give us their message, uh, the reasons why they they become successful. And I think it's always nice to have a different voice kind of give their perspective and, and maybe reinforce messages that you're constantly telling your guys. And, and that part has been has been amazing. I think that's something that regardless of what happens in the future, we'll, we'll carry that with us and do it on a consistent basis in, in years to come. Uh, so, so we, we've, we've, uh, we've been creative in finding ways to stay connected. And that's, that's awesome. I know, you know, with, with guest speakers and things of that nature, it, sometimes it could be hard scheduling conflicts to, to get somebody into your, your city, into your gym, to speak to the kids. You know, a lot of those people have very busy conflicting schedules. And so, uh, technology has really made that a lot easier. So, yeah, you know, with COVID, you know, I mean, everybody's home, so there's no excuses. <laughs> it's a little easier to schedule it. Like, you know, and, and, and people have been happy to do it just to, to get their mind off things and, and uh, connect with people. So we've been very fortunate to, to have uh, great friendships with people that have been more than happy to, to participate and be involved with our program. Well, that's awesome to hear. Let's talk a little bit about your childhood. You know, where did you grow up? What was that like? Did you have any um, important influences in your life that kind of guided you down uh, this uh, path that you've taken? Uh, you know, I grew up, so I grew up uh, in Boyle Heights initially, and then in element, at the end of elementary school, uh, moved to Montebello, where I pretty much spend the rest of my childhood. Um, so it's, you know, kind of greater East Los Angeles area. Um, and, you know, I had, I had a good childhood. I mean, we, you know, it was, it, it's a rougher area, uh, you know, a lower socioeconomic environment. Uh, but, but at the same time, it, it was, you know, I, I have a great family, a lot of love. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, my love for, for sports started with baseball. You know, I started playing baseball, little league as a young kid. And then, and then, and then, uh, slowly transitioned to playing both baseball and basketball. And I think, I think the, the coaches that I had early on in my life were, were, uh, were, were great mentors. You know, they were good people who cared. They, they cared about the kids. They, 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 they gave their time. They, they showed love. And I think that was that was really important for me because I think that helped me stay out of trouble. It helped me uh, want to focus uh, on school because you know you had to get good grades. You had to you had to do well in school to to be able to continue to to, to play in athletics. And uh, but you know, but most importantly, I think it kept me going in, in a positive direction. Um, 
you know, especially early on in childhood from, you know, elementary through junior high. Awesome. It's always important to have those driving forces and people looking out for you and kind of hold you accountable. It's real easy, uh, you know, like where I grew up, same thing. You know, if you didn't, we don't have those guiding forces, it's real easy to slip through the cracks and fall towards, I guess, the streets and, and those types of things, especially in those neighborhoods. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that, that, that brings up another point. I mean, it was, it's so important because after school, like you knew, oh man, I got to go home. I got to do my homework because I got practice. Yep. And, or I, I got to go home and get rest because I got a game tonight. And, and I think those things are so valuable as a kid because you're right. If you didn't have those, th- those responsibilities and, and you had your teammates that were counting on you, obviously, as, as, you know, I, I'm, I'm naturally a competitor. So as a competitor, you wanted to be prepared to, to, be, re- to be ready for those practices and games. Yep. So you know you weren't going to be on the streets doing things you weren't supposed to be doing because you didn't want to let your teammates down. You didn't, didn't want to let your coaches down. And, um, and I didn't want to let myself down. And I think that's such a huge, huge, uh, you know, positive thing for kids to be involved, whether it's athletics or any other extracurricular activity where you have to, um, you know, you have to count on yourself and others count on you. Absolutely. Now let's talk about um, you know, your coaching journey. You know, how, how did you get into it? Where, where did you start up until this point in your career? So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of an uh, interesting story. You know, I, I – I was a, a, a pretty good baseball and basketball player at Montebello High School. Not a Division One player, but I was recruited by Division Threes in both sports. And, um, you know, growing up in East L.A., Montebello area, there, 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 there wasn't a lot of examples of people that made it before you. So, you know, I didn't even know – I really didn't even understand the recruiting process or, you know, how, how it worked, how you could get recruited. Uh, but I was a good student, very good student, and uh, – and, you know, played sports for the love of it and was, was recruited at the division three level. Uh, but my dream was to go to UCLA. And uh, after, after visiting several campuses, I decided I was going to go to UCLA just as a regular student. I had no connection to the sports programs there. I had good grades. I got in academically. So that's where I was going to go. So at that point I thought my involvement in sports was over. My, my, mm-hmm. my career in high school was over in both baseball and basketball, but by, by pure luck, by pure chance, in the, I went to a freshman summer program at UCLA. My roommate was Dijon Thompson. And Dijon was, uh, you know, a, a very highly recruited player out of, out of uh, Redondo Union High School, top 100 player, and he was going to UCLA. So him and I were roommates, became good friends. Obviously, we had the basketball connection. And, and, uh, and Cedric Bozeman was also in that recruiting class, and, they, and he, we were all in the, kind of in the program together, and we all became good friends. And uh, – I happened to find out right before school started in the fall that there was a basketball manager position. So when I found out about it, I called Dijon. I said, Hey, can you help me uh, interview, get an interview for this job? I have no connection. I don't know how it works. I don't know how I can you know, get involved, but I would love to, I love basketball. That's my passion. I would love to be involved. So he said, okay, let me see what I can do. So he tried. And at first the, the guy in charge of hiring didn't want to hire me because he thought I was just, some hanger honor, yeah. you know, groupie type person that just wants to be a part of the team. And, you know, he didn't know anything about me, but Dijon pushed and got coach Lavin to, 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 to get me an interview. So I got an interview and I ended up getting the job. So I became a student manager and that was my first, uh, you know, that was, that was my, the first way I got involved with college, college basketball. So I became a manager all four years at UCLA and my junior year, Ben Howland, was hired as the head coach at UCLA. And, uh, you know, he was, the, he was the coach who first kind of inspired me, who, who uh, 
I, I had just learned so much about, about, about basketball from the coaching perspective in, in the first couple of months that he was there. And I had like a newfound uh, love for the game. I always loved it from the, from the playing perspective. And uh, I had no interest in coaching. But when he got there, it kind of like sparked my interest. I said, okay, well, this is interesting. I'm learning so much about the game. And maybe this could be something I could do. So by the time I graduated, I still wasn't completely sure what I wanted to do. I, I finished and college graduated and ended up going to work for a financial consulting firm with a buddy of mine did that for a few months and decided uh why well, I, I had promised the camp director at the time that, that i was going to work basketball camp so i came back like in july worked a, a ucla basketball camp for a week back on my own stopping grounds i was there you know i just man i was like this is where i need to be this is yeah. th this is where i belong basketball is is where where i need to be yeah. so after the camp i i, I don't know i i I, went, I blindly just went over to Coach Allen, and I had struck a good friendship with him. So, so I was able to, you know, we 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 would talk often. And I said, Coach, I want to I want to coach college basketball. You know, what can I do? How can I how can I get in get involved? How can I get get a coaching job? He said, Well, this is what you need to do: come and volunteer for us for a season, and uh, and and you got to come here to the office every day. You got to learn how to how to break down game film. You'll learn the business from the coaching side of it. And maybe you'll be able to get a job from that, for, from doing that. So I did that. So I decided to, I quit my job at the financial consulting firm. I got a job working in the ticket office at UCLA in the mornings from eight to 12. Um, I lived on the couch at, at an apartment uh, that my buddy had uh, across the street from UCLA. And I just grinded it out that year. I, I yeah. lived very, you know, very simple uh, and worked with the team, was in the office every day until 9, 10 o'clock at night, just learning and doing whatever they asked, whether it was breaking down game film, whether it was getting coach lunch, whatever it took. I was just there and I did every and any job possible. And I learned so much that year. Coach Allen paid out of his own pocket for me to travel with the team because I earned, you know, I earned his trust and, and he felt that I was valuable enough to, to take on road trips with us to help with the game film. That's awesome. With that would help breaking down game and practice film and opponent film. So I did that for an entire season and I, I had earned the, 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 you know, the other coaches trust that Carrie Keating, who was on our staff at the time, ended up getting the head coaching job at Santa Clara. And he told me, Hey, if I get this job, I'm going to take you with me as the video coordinator. So it was my first paid position in college, division one college basketball. So I ended up going with them to Santa Clara uh, by my second year, got promoted to director of ops. And then Ben Howland hired me back at UCLA. Uh, and I came back for four more years in 2013, we were fired at UCLA, uh, you know, kind of a tough situation. It was, that was probably one of the toughest moments of my coaching career because I had been at UCLA for 10 years total, two different stints. There's my alma mater hometown and we were fired and we had a good, and we won 25 games, went to the NCAA tournament, won the PAC 12. So it was, it was a tough, a tough pill to swallow. And I remember being depressed for like a couple of days after we got fired. And, you know, when a head coach gets fired, the entire staff gets fired. Mm -hmm. So now I'm out of a job. And honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I was about to take a high school coaching job. I was about to take the Crossroads High School job in Santa Monica where Baron Davis went, Austin Kusher, great program, great athletic director. Um, I was really excited about that. But then uh, I, I was able to get in touch with Herb Sendek at Arizona State. And he interviewed me on a Friday and said, hey, I'll, you know, I'm interviewing a bunch of candidates. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk again on Monday. He called me back on Saturday and offered me the job. And oh, it turned wow. out that, that a guy that I had worked with at UCLA was very close with one of his uh, uh, good friends. 
and through that relationship, I was able to get the job. So he, so I got hired at Arizona State, went there for two seasons. And then again, tough situation, new athletic director, Herb Sende gets fired. And again, now I'm out of a job. But during that time, uh, Ben Howland gets the job at Mississippi State. So I go with Ben Howland for a year at Mississippi State, uh, spent a year in Starkville, Mississippi, which was uh, a different but great experience. It's something I, you know, I, I value uh, the experience being there in the South for a year. And then – and then uh, Herb Sende gets a job back at Santa Clara. So he said, hey, do you want to come back to California? I said, absolutely. You know, come back, come back, come back to California to the good weather and, and where I'm from. So that's where I've been. And I've been with Herb Sende for the last four years at Santa Clara. And it's been uh, a, a great experience. And I've been so blessed and fortunate to be, to have worked with some great coaches. Uh, you know, I'm so thankful for Kerry Keating giving me my first coaching job. And then to work with guys like Ben Howland and Herb Sende to have them as mentors has been a blessing in my in my coaching career. That's that's awesome to hear. And you know what's really interesting to hear is um, you know the sacrifice you, you you did early on. You quit your regular job, you know, volunteered for a year, slept on the sofa, you know, went through that grind, and and because uh, you knew what you wanted, right? And you worked towards it, and then and then having some disappointing moments where where a coach gets fired, so that everybody gets fired, and then it happens again. Um, but through your connections and through your, your grind and through everything that you've done to build up, build up to that, you know, you've been able to, to bounce back on your feet. And, and now you're in a place where it looks like you're extremely happy and, and blessed. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I, I think like one of the biggest things you have to have in this business is you have to, you have to have great perseverance. You know, you, you're, there's going to be up and down. They, they, they joke around and say, Hey, you're not really a college coach until you get fired. And, uh, and I've been through that twice. And it's true because I, I don't care what you say, you don't really know until you go through it. And it's, it's a horrible feeling. It's so tough. It's tough on, your, on, uh, on so many levels. And, and that's why now when I see you know, friends and colleagues go through that, I have so much empathy for them because I understand it's, it's a, such, such a tough deal. Yeah. Um, but but you've got to have perseverance and you've got to be able to know that you've got to keep working. And if you do, then, um, you know, then, then you'll have other opportunities in the future. And, and it's, it's funny how things end up working for the better. Uh, you know, even though it was tough to get fired at UCLA or Arizona State, it, it forced me to have to maybe get out of a comfort zone and have to go explore new opportunities. And in turn, it allowed me to meet new people. And I think that's something that, that, you, have to, that you have to embrace as well. Absolutely. And that's how you grow and that's how you become better at what you're doing. No question. Talk a little bit about these uh, jail hoops camps that you run, or, or I don't know if you're still running them, but you know, what does that mean to you? Or what exactly are those camps? Yeah, so – you know, believe it or not, this would have been our 15th year doing it. And wow. it started uh, back when I was at UCLA because I was every summer when I was at UCLA, I'd work all the basketball camps. And then when I was on the staff, I ran the camps for four years. So I was heavily involved in, in camps, especially at UCLA. And, and when I saw like I had never I had never really been to a camp. I went to like one camp when I was a kid and that's it. So I wasn't really exposed to it. And I didn't really understand how valuable it was until I started working them at UCLA. And I saw all these kids and what a great time they were having and how much better they were getting, they were getting over the course of, of, of a week or a few days. So I said, you know what? There's nothing like this in East L.A. where I grew up. Like there's no camps. There's nothing for these for, for, for kids. So I decided I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to run a, a camp, a free basketball camp for kids. And I'm going to bring in coaches that I know. I'm going to bring in guest speakers. And I want to give the kids from East L.A. this experience that, I've, that, that I'm seeing here in West L.A. at UCLA for, for you know, because it costs four, four or five hundred dollars a camp. You know, kids from East L.A. aren't paying that. 
they, they can't afford it. So I said, I'm going to try to bring a similar experience to these kids where I grew up. So I started doing that and it started small, you know, 20, 30 kids at a time. I brought in uh, UCLA basketball players to, to come and speak to them. Uh, brought in other coaches and, and it, 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 it kind of just took off. And, and I've been so fortunate now to be able to do it. It would have been our 15th year this year. And as soon as COVID ends, we'll, we're going to continue to do it. And it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's something that's really important to me because, uh, you know, I knew I didn't have those opportunities when I was a kid. So I, if I can give these kids a, a, a little better opportunity, a little edge that, that I didn't have, then maybe that'll, that'll be the difference between them making it and not. And, and, and the biggest thing I try to instill in the kids is like, hey, listen, like you got to if you love sports, use it, use it to get ahead, use it to get a free education, use it to stay out of trouble, use use basketball as a way to to, you know, better your life, teach you life skills. There's so many things that you can do with sports. And and, and, and that's one thing we try to instill in the kids, even if it's just for a few days at a time. But but it's been well received. Parents and kids uh, have, I think, have had great experiences. And uh, and I think there's so much more that we can still do that, that that's you know on the horizon. That's awesome. That's that's beautiful to hear. You know, especially giving back to to where you you come from and not forgetting uh, your childhood. I know when I was I had an episode with Orlando uh, a few days ago, and he he was talking about the camp that he hosted, and it was a free camp, and the look on the kids' faces, you know, because there's not a lot of those kind of um, events for for kids that that really can't afford a regular camp. Sometimes those things are two, three, four hundred bucks, and so. Um, just being able to give them that opportunity uh, was much more than, than the game of basketball itself. It's just the opportunity. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's actually a great point. You know what's funny? I was talking with somebody about this the other day. I forget who. But we were talking about the kids and how they received the camp. And he, they said, hey, how, how was running camps like at UCLA, you know, in, in West L.A. compared to running camps in East L.A.? And, and, and they thought, well, did the kids in East L.A., like, you know, were, were they troublemakers? Did they not listen? Did they? I said, you know what? It was the opposite. Yeah, better. They they listened so much better than the kids that were at the camps in West LA. I mean, they they were so thankful, they were so appreciative, and they were so locked in. And they tried their very best, their very hardest, and it was it was amazing to see. So it's just amazing to see when you can get when you give these kids something that they don't have, an opportunity they don't have, how much they appreciate it and how much they 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 take advantage of it and embrace it. And and, and using sports to do that, I know like for us where I grew up. Um, this is high school I work at now. I'm the head coach at the high school I went to. And, uh, but before I was even a coach there, you know, me and my, one of my best friends, we hold this alumni tournament. We love our basketball. And so we use the tournament, uh, former alumni, to just raise money. And so now that I've been coaching there, um, I'm going on my seventh, seventh year. So we've had six graduating classes. And so every one of those kids, you know, they're all playing in the tournament and they're, they're, they're giving back right away as soon as they graduate. They don't even realize it. You know, they're, they're paying their money. They're, they're at the concession stands and they're, they're in the three point contest, you know, paying to get in. And, and so they're giving back. And every year at the, at the tournament, we, at the end, we'll, we'll raise money and give about eight to $10,000 in, in the scholarships to kids from that school for the next year when they go to college. And so, so just wow. getting these kids involved in, and giving them that opportunity and, and right off the jump, you know, they're giving back to the school that they went to. So it gives them a sense of pride. So it's That's always it's fun. About. Always fun to give back. No question. No question. That's what it's all about. What is this uh, young coaches social that, that you guys do? What is that all about? So, you know, we're not young anymore. So we, we, <laughs> we actually changed the name about two years ago. But when we were young, about 10 years ago, and we were in our 20s, you know, early in our coaching career, 
uh, Jesse Pruitt and I, who Jesse's an assistant at Stanford now, we decided that we wanted to um, create an event at the Final Four where all the young guys can get together. Because there was, there was all these different parties, but they're so hard to get into. If you're, if you're not connected, you can't get into them. You know, there's the Adidas party. There's these, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the, the pump party. There, there's all these different parties, and, and, and they're basically networking events. But if you're not dialed in with the right people and you're, you're a young, guy, young coach, it's really hard to get into them. So we said, you know what? We want to create an event for all the young coaches, for all the, the, the director of ops, the video coordinators, the graduate assistants, the managers, all these young guys that want to go, go to a place to connect. And so, so we did that. And we started it. The first one was in Detroit. And I forget the year. It was probably 2010. It was about – or maybe 2009, maybe. And we had about 40, 40 50 coaches there. And we invited some head coaches, Bruce Pearl came, Ben Howland came, and uh, I was able to leverage some of my, my friendships to, to get those guys there. And, and, uh, and it was a hit. It was a great experience. We got some sponsors, had some drinks, appetizers, and everybody had a great time. So then from that point forward, we just kept growing it and growing it to the point now where every year we have about 350 coaches attend from all levels, from Division One all the way to junior college. Uh, we, we invite head coaches, assistants, ops, video coordinators, GAs, and it's just a great opportunity for coaches uh, to connect in a very, um, uh, you know, a comfortable environment. You know, there's no guest speakers. You know, every year they ask, hey, can we, should we get guest speakers? I said, no, everybody, it's the end of the season. Everybody's tired. I want it to be a relaxed environment where everybody just comes and connect and can get to know each other. And, and it's amazing. You, I, I've gotten so many um, messages over the years from people saying how they were able to secure a job because of the relationships that they they made at the event Absolutely. Uh, so it's so it would have been our 11th year i think this year so it, uh you know we'll continue to do it that's pretty awesome and, and you're right you know keep the atmosphere comfortable you get to really see who a person is when they're when they're comfortable and they're in their environment so uh a good way for a coach who's looking to hire somebody to kind of get a good feel for that for that person yeah absolutely i agree with you 100 percent on that so another thing that, you, that you're involved in is the Latino Association of Basketball Coaches. And, and from what I've seen uh, online and, and social media and stuff, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so tell me about, you know, what did the idea kind of spark from um, to where it's at now and kind of maybe your goals for the future for the whole organization? Yeah, so again, um, probably about eight years ago, a buddy of mine and I uh, decided that we wanted to start a Latino Basketball Coaches Association. And we saw that there was a black coaches association. There was a Jewish coaches association and they were all doing great things, being great support systems for each other, helping guys out, you know, helping with jobs, helping with, you know, just be, staying connected. So we said, well, you know what, uh, you know, let's do it for Latinos. And the, I mean, the first year we probably had like seven people there and two of the, two of the guys there weren't even Latinos. They were just guys that had been a part of Latin American basketball and were just curious to, to see what this thing was all about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the guys actually was a, a guy by the name of Terry, uh, Terry Layton, who is, uh, uh, you know, actually passed away a couple years ago from cancer, but man was so influential and so helpful um, over the years and help in helping me connect with Latino coaches all over North and South America. And, and he was one of the first people to really kind of, kind of connect me with, with, uh, with people and inspire me and help me keep this thing going. And then, uh, and then another guy by the name of Sergio Rocco, uh, former division one head coach, current assistant coach. And he, he's a, he's like, he's like the OG, you know, he knows everybody. He's old school, been around forever, knows every coach, 
knows every Latino coach, and he was instrumental in, as the years went on, making sure guys like Frank Martin showed up, making sure guys like Orlando Antigua and, uh, you know, and, and Mike Bellato and all these other guys that now have become very active and very involved. And, you know, so I'm very thankful and appreciative for those guys in really helping me kind of keep this thing going and connecting me with the right people to, to, uh, to create this organization. And, and, and the really the goal of the organization is to create a network of Latino coaches so that we can help each other, so we can be there for each other, so that we can uh, uh, be a support system for each other, uh, bounce ideas off of each other, and, and at the end of the day, just help each other out in any way possible. And, and the ultimate goal is not just, it's not just for college coaches. We want coaches, high school coaches, junior college coaches. We want co professional coaches, youth coaches from, from South and Central America. We want every Latino coach involved in this organization. If there's a coach in Argentina that wants to get better connected with coaches in, in America, well, this is a, 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 this organization is going to allow that opportunity for those coaches to, to be able to connect and be able to have a, a relationship with each other. And, and that's ultimately what, what, what the goal of the organization is. And it's grown tremendously. Uh, I, there, there's a few guys that are, that are helping me right now, young guys that are doing an amazing job with the social media, with the Twitter, with the Instagram, keeping guys connected, getting guys signed up. And, and we're on the verge right now of, of creating membership. So we're going to create membership. We want to make this you know, a little more exclusive where you, know, you pay a, a small fee and now you're part of this organization. And, and, and you're, it's going to be a brotherhood. It's going to be an opportunity where, hey, like we're going to look out for each other. We're, we're going to be able to help each other, whether it's, whether it's you want to learn more about the game, you want to, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's an American coach that wants to work in Latin America. Maybe there's a Latin American coach who wants to work in college basketball. Well, this organization is going to kind of close the gap and create a, a network of people to, to be able to help each other out. And uh, last year at the Final Four was our best event. We, we hold an annual luncheon at the Final Four. We had a, a panel of speakers, Frank Martin, uh, obviously the head coach of South Carolina, Mike Bellato, the head coach of Arkansas State, Ron Sanchez, the head coach of UNC Charlotte, and Gloria Navarez, the only Latina uh, conference commissioner. And they were our panel. We had about 50 coaches from all different levels, and, and it was an awesome experience. And it was great to hear their thoughts. Uh, we, it was a Q&A type of uh, panel and, and we had a tremendous experience and we're going to continue to build on that. We're going to continue to have an annual luncheon and there'll be other things that, that, that will be involved with the organization that will be a part of uh, the membership. This is awesome. You know, at, at bottom line is just networking and, and helping each other out and building each other up. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough, Orlando, you know, Mendez Valdez sent me an email a few years ago when uh, the final four came to town about this luncheon and I had no idea what it was, and I just kind of looked into it real quick. And, and so uh, I got an invitation, so I, I responded. And I didn't realize that it was mostly college coaches at the time. And so I think I might have been the only high school guy there. Um, but I, I was able to go to the luncheon when it was here in town. And I just – that's exactly what I felt when I walked in. It was just, just a group of coaches looking out for each other and, and, and whatever you need, how can we help kind of thing. And so it was pretty awesome. And then, and then of course, Frank Martin walks in a little later – and, and talks to the group a little bit. And, you know, whenever you hear him speak, you kind of feel inspired and whatnot. Man, Frank Martin, he is, he's, he's an unbelievable person. Um, you know, I've been so fortunate to get to know him over the years. And as good of a coach he is, he's even a better person. And what I love about him, he's, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells you like it is. He's honest. He's genuine. And uh, you got to respect that so much about him.
And, uh, and then, you know, I actually got to know Orlando, uh, through, through one of my best friends, Lorenzo Mata, when they were playing in the national team together. And I remember going down to the Pan American games, uh, while, while they were on the team together and watching those games and they actually lost in the championship to Puerto Rico and, uh, got to know Orlando there uh, fairly well. And I remember him, uh, in, in college at Western Kentucky. So he's a tremendous person and, oh, for and, sure. and definitely, a, a, you know, just a, a great ambassador for Latino basketball. Absolutely. hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your favorite basketball memories, maybe as a player, or as a coach, you know, name, maybe a couple memories that come to mind being involved in the game of basketball. Um. You know, I, as a player, you know, my, my career didn't last very long. It ended, it ended pretty quick, but... It could still be good memories in high school, right? But it was. But I do have a memory that really sticks out that was, uh, you know, for, will forever be one of my favorite memories of all time. Um, you know, so I went to Montebello High School, and Montebello High School has never had a great basketball tradition. In fact, while I was in high school, the last time they won a league championship was 1970-71, that season. And I graduated 2000, 2001. So they hadn't won a league championship in 30 years. And ever since I got to Montebello High School, me and, and, and the group of guys that I came, in, came to the high school with, it was our goal that we wanted to be that first team in 30 years to win it. So, you know, our junior year didn't happen. We weren't very good, to be honest. We, uh, you know, we finished in, you know, middle of the league and, you know, had a losing record. But our senior year, we had a good group, you know, we weren't the most talented, but we had some tough, greedy guys. And, uh, and, and we, you know, we, 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 the non-conference started just okay. We were decent, but when conference came around, man, we just took our game to another level. And, and even personally, I, I played better than I had ever played in my career. And, and, uh, and I was fortunate enough to, to lead our team to, to the uh, first league championship in 30 years. And we did it. Uh, it was the last game of the season. We were playing our arch rival, Sure High School, which is the other high school in Montebello. We dislike each other very much. My girlfriend was a cheerleader for Sure High School at the time, and she was at the game. We were playing at home. If we won, we were going to win the, the league title outright. But if we lost, it was going to be a three-way tie, and, and we were like, you know, we were going to be co-champions and, and yeah. probably not even get the number one seed to go to the playoffs. So it was a huge game, and. Uh, we were fortunate to play at home and yeah, we pulled it out. We pulled it out. I had, you know, we had a good game individually, but our team played terrific and we, and we ended up winning the first league championship in 30 years. And I just remember it was so important to me because I remember what, you know, in practice when you do the suicides, every time times got tough, I looked up at the banner and I said like, no, I got to push, I got to push through because I want to, I, I, I got to, I got to do what I can to, to put, to put a championship banner, a league championship banner at, on the, uh, you know, on, on the Raptors at, at Montebello High School. And we were able to accomplish that. And that was, you know, definitely my most special memory in high school. It's awesome. And then, uh, so, so there's that. And then, uh, and then as a player, I mean, as a, as a coach, uh, you know, I don't know if there's one, if, if there's one instance that I can remember, but, you know, I had two seasons at UCLA where we had some unbelievable runs in 2006. I mean, we went on this incredible run down the stretch where we won, I don't know how many games in a row. And, and we ended up going all the way to the national championship game. And then we ran into Florida, Joe Noah and Al Horford and Corey Brew ended up losing, but man, that was a magical run. I mean, that was one of the, 
I, it, it was just a special experience to go all the way to play on that stage, to be on that court, you yeah. know, at the final four. I mean, I'll never forget that. I mean, people go their whole lives and never even come close to getting to a final four. And I've been fortunate to be a part of two teams that have done it. So I'll always remember that. And then the next year, you know, coaching in college is so tough. There's so much parity. It's so hard to win a game. And that was the, o- the only year that I could ever remember going into a game where I was like, man, we're going to beat these guys. Like, we- like, you guys are in trouble. You know, we had our starting lineup. We had uh, Darren Collison, Aaron Aflalo, uh, Josh Ship, Luke Mbamute, and Lorenzo Mata was our starting center. And we had Russell Westwood coming off the bench. Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> so we so we were pretty good. We were pretty good. Russell only played like 11 minutes a game that year, and people forget. But but that year was special because we were number one team in the country for most of the season, and we were just punishing teams. We were we were so good defensively, and uh, oh man, we were so competitive. So I always remember those two teams because we just had some magical runs and went to back to back Final Fours, and then they went they went to a third one uh, the the following year, and I was at Santa Clara. Uh, with my, with Kerry uh, Keating with my first first paid coaching job. Yeah, that's awesome. That's got to be an amazing experience for real. Um, especially you talk about the team that has Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, you know, in his younger years. You know, what, what was he like? I mean, how explosive is that guy in person? Well, you know, so, so here's the thing. Like his freshman year, he was still kind of just growing into his body. He was coming yeah. into his own. He was very raw out of high school. He was, you know, inconsistent shooter had a great motor, tough, competitive, turned it over too much. But he was just like still kind of like, like, like a baby deer, like figuring out how to walk, right? Like he was yeah. figuring out his game. Like he just, you know, like you knew he was going to be good, but he just needed time to mature physically, to learn the game. And to his credit, I mean, he was a worker. He was a worker. He was competitive. And, um, you know, so I, I got to see him really before – he, he exploded into what he is now. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you guys had Russell Westbrook. How did you, you know, how come you guys, you guys should have easily won the national championship? Well, no, I mean, he was still, he was still maturing physically. Like he was, you know, old, yeah. yeah, he was, he was like 18 as a freshman. I mean, he was young. I think he came to college and he was like, he had just turned 18. So he was an 18 year old boy. Yeah. And, uh, and I think his sophomore year is really when he started to come into his own. And that's when he really took off. I was gone. I, I wasn't there that year. Yeah. So I only saw him his freshman year. But, uh, but tremendous person, tremendous competitor. And, um, you know, if, I think if anybody told you that he was going to be an NBA MVP, they would be lying to you. Uh, but it's, but, but it's, a, but you knew he was going to be, you knew he was going to be good. Just no one knew how good. Yeah. And, and, and to his credit, man, he, he, he ran with it. He's, he just, he's a worker and I mean, and a great person. And it's no surprise that he's had the success he's had because, because of the person that he is. So you've worked with guys like Aaron Aflalo, Russell Westbrook, you know, Clay Thompson, right? Uh, yeah. George. Yeah. Um, and it could be any of these guys or anybody else, but what is one of the best individual performances that you've ever seen in a game from a player? It could be any of those guys or, or anybody else for that matter. Ooh, that's a good question. I should have prepared for this. I have to think back. I mean, there's, there's been some great uh, – there's been some great ones. Um, you know, one, one that stands out was uh, I was coaching uh, the double pump elite AAU team. And we were playing at the Cactus Classic in Tucson, Arizona. We had Clay Thompson and Paul George on my team. But not the Paul George and Clay Thompson that you know now. They were young. These guys were young, 17 years old, still 
figuring out their, you know, figuring out their bodies, figuring out their game. And we go up against Belmont Shore, Dinos Tragonis. Actually, was just just talked to them the other day, and we were talking about this story. And they have Demar Derozan and Brandon Jennings, hmm. two pretty good players. Now, at the time, Brandon Jennings and Demar Derozan were, you know, McDonald's All American caliber players. Paul George and Clay Thompson weren't even like top one hundred players at the time. Yeah. And the individual performance that Brandon Jennings put on in that game was incredible. Like it was a it was a close game. And going back and forth, anybody's game. And then all of a sudden, Brandon Jennings just took over the game. And he probably hit four straight threes in a row that just separated the game and, and allowed the other team to win. But I always remember that. But that was, that was really impressive, and he, you know, his, that individual performance of Brandon Jennings. And then another game that I remember, it was 2007. We were playing at USC. I was at UCLA at the time. We were playing at USC. And SE was really good at the time, too. You're talking about Gabe Pruitt, Nick Young, uh, Taj Gibson. I mean, they were really, really good. And, and we were good, too. We had, you know, Aaron Oflalo was our best player, and Darren Collison, Luke Bamute, Lorenzo Mata. And I just remember that game, Aaron Oflalo and Nick Young going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, it was, it was a heck of a game. And then I remember probably with five seconds left, Nick Young hit this impossible three-pointer, falling out of bounds. I think he got fouled and won three-pointer. Put, you know, puts them up one. So we call a timeout. We're, so then uh, we, we drop a play. I still remember the play. It was like gold. It was gold two. It was like a play to get Aaron a shot coming off a stagger. So we run the play. Aaron comes off the, comes off the, the, uh, the stagger, the stagger, catches it, takes one dribble, from right gets right to the elbow kind of hangs in the air stays in the air like as 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 i forget who was trying to contest it and then just knocks down the the, the elbow jumper to, to win the game at the buzzer wow, wow. and you you know you're talking about the ucla usc rivalry we're at the galen center it's sold out the crowd's going crazy there you know their crowd is talking stuff to us the whole time and aaron aflalo <laughs> just ends it with a game-winning shot and that was a that was a a, a really uh, special memory Nice. Talk about a few moments in that kind of highlights the fact that what we do as coaches is more than just, you know, coach the game of basketball. When you talk about impactful moments in your career. Um, that's a, man, you're asking some great questions. Some great <laughs> questions. That, that, that's, that is a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if there's a, a, a single instance that I can point to. Yeah. But what I can say is, man, this business has allowed me to create some special friendships and bonds. And I think you appreciate them more later. Like, for example, I was down in Southern California recently and um, was able to, to, to reconnect with some former players mm -hmm. that I had coached at different places. And reconnecting with them, hanging out with them, even though we hadn't seen – some of these guys I hadn't seen in, you know, years. Some of them I hadn't seen in probably, I don't know, maybe like seven, eight years. Yeah. But it's amazing because of the bond that you had being a part of a, of, a, of a team and all the different things you had gone through. Even though you haven't seen each other for such a long period of time and then you come back together, it's like you don't miss a beat. Yeah. And, and you just pick up right where you left off. You, 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 you talk about the memories, the, what they're doing now. And I think that part is special just to be able to share the experiences and then to see them like grow up from being, 
you know, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old to now being adults and then seeing them be successful and do all these things in life. And you're just like, man, like, that's so awesome. I, I hope, I hope that I had a small piece of their development that has allowed them to become who they are today. And I think that ultimately is one of the most fulfilling things as a coach to know that you had a small piece in their development as, as a human being. Absolutely. A couple things before we bounce. Top three point guards of all time, in your opinion. No wrong All answer. time? Yeah, no wrong answer. Oh, my gosh, man. These are tough. I mean, uh, let's go with, uh, you know, you got, I think you got to go with Magic Johnson up there. No particular order, but you got to go with Magic. Uh, you know, I think you got to go – you know, you, you shoot, the way things are going, you probably got to throw Steph Curry in there. Unbelievable. And He's so, so good at what he does. Yeah. And then, man, the other one, shoot, you know, I, I actually, <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe Isaiah Thomas, you know, I mean, maybe Steve Nash. I mean, those are tough ones. I, I it's, it's hard, hard to say just three, you know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. I mean, there's just so many good ones. I mean, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Steve Nash, uh, you know, you can go so many different directions. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Nash. That's my, I'm going to go with my Santa Clara guy. So I'm going to go with, you know, Curry, Nash, and, and Magic. Nothing wrong <laughs> with that. I love Steve. I love watching Steve Nash. He, he's, uh, he was incredible with the ball, like a wizard. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's, a, he's obviously a tremendous player, and he's uh, even a better person. He's been, uh, you know, so gracious to to still be actively involved with our program and awesome. and uh, be able to share his experiences with us. But a tremendous person, great family man, great person. So you're from LA. I'm gonna assume. Have you ever been to Texas? Yeah, of course. You ever had Whataburger? Yes or no? <laughs> I don't think I have. I know what it is, but I've never had it. Yeah, I don't think I've had it. Big Z was talking talking down on Whataburger the last time I talked to him. You well, know, I, I, I don't care what place you say, you're not going to get me to, to vote against In-N-Out. <laughs> really? So it doesn't matter what it is. It <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. I'm all about In-N-Out. That, that's, yeah, there's no, there's no way. Yeah, that's my favorite. Hands down, go up against any, any chain. Uh, it's, it's not even close. So In-N-Out, they got a couple, uh, they've got some spots in Texas now. And so, you know, a big debate amongst Texans is In-N-Out and Whataburger, In-N-Out and Whataburger and and uh, and Whataburger wins the debate every time, but obviously we're in Texas, so I wanted to ask the guy from California to see what he thought. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a, the next time I go to Texas, I'm going to try Whataburger, and, and then I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, uh, I was watching today. I actually watched it twice, once in the morning and once a little while ago. Uh, have you seen that Stephon, Stephon Marbury documentary? I have not. Uh, a Kid from Coney Island. It's, it's, uh, it's really good. It's on Netflix. It's um, Okay. Talks about his, his childhood growing up. You know, I didn't realize that all of his brothers were really, really good basketball players. You know, all Division One athletes. Um, a lot of pressure. They didn't make it. A lot of pressure for him to make it to the league. And talked about his triumph. And then it talked about him really kind of falling, falling off and, and having some dark times in his life. And then finding peace in China uh, and, in, and re, rebuilding his image and, and finding himself a little bit. I, I thought it was a pretty good story. So if you get a chance to watch it, that's something you should watch. Oh, thank, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That'll definitely give me something uh, to watch here while I'm, while I'm stuck at the house. And, and it brings me back to the old days. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm class of 02, so I'm a little bit behind you. But just thinking back to those days where you were watching Stefan and Iverson and Kobe come up in the league. And right when we were in the middle of us trying to figure out who we were as basketball players and 
I just kind of flooded my mind with memories. It was awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Marcus, how about this? Um, so you graduated high school, 02? Yeah. Yeah, so I was 01, so we're right there, same, basically the same age. Um, how about the M1 mixtape? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was so influential. I remember, like, when the first one came out, it was like, hey, who, who can get it? Who's going to get it? And then yep. finally one of, the, one of our teammates got it, and it's like, all right, everybody has to go to his house. we got to watch it. You watch it, and then you start the practicing the moves. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, now kids are spoiled. They just go on YouTube. I mean, we had to, like, I mean, it was a – We had to work a, for it. We had to it work was a for mission. It. You know, you had to have yeah. a plug at the place. Hey, you know, can you get it for me or what? Do I, got, I ain't going to go wait in line or I got to buy this. I ain't got no money. No, I just, I just need the tape. Yeah. And uh, I remember at our, our senior year, um, it was – I think it was episode three was, was out at the time. You know, Hot Sauce and those guys. Um, and uh, we had a faculty – student game and so i busted out some of those moves on on like some coaches and some administrators you know <laughs> pretend like i'm hitting with the ball i bring it back and and so they had it on film and one one of the guys like got scared and fell down i think it was the vice <laughs> principal so he, he went up and tackled me and so so then the next day they blasted it all over school on the uh, on the on the tvs and all the classrooms they just showed that play where i just Take the guy out. The I think it was the vice principal. They made him fall. Oh, that was that was great. Oh, that's hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. Oh man, yeah, they they had a big impact on the game, especially when we were young. Absolutely. Well, Jason, you know I appreciate you again, man. I really do appreciate you taking time to hang out and talk on a on a Thursday night. I think it's Thursday. My days get all mixed up with this COVID stuff. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but much love, much respect, and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Hey, Marcus, thank you so much. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. And, uh, you know, uh, love to be back and, and be able to help in any way possible. So much appreciated. Much love to you, too. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Take care. You, too.